Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Nathan. That's good, because we were praying, and I wouldn't cuss while we prayed. This is where you introduce yourself. My name is Father Timothy Danaher. What? Here we go. You're not the real Father Mike Rap. <laughs> How did you lure me into this basement with liquor? <laughs> I'm so nervous. I don't know. You know. How do we introduce you, Father Timothy Danaher? How do we? I'm a uh, born and raised an Ohioan. Have you guys ever been to Ohio or no? I can honestly say that I've never been to Ohio. What's that? I graduated. You, Michael O'Laughlin, graduated from Steubenville. Yeah, and I, he got kicked out of Thomas Aquinas College in California. Right? I went to the Dominicans, the Franciscans. Should that be on air? He knows. Okay. Did I say you got kicked out? Yes, you did. Well, kind of. Not really. But anyways. Um, I'm no. a visitor with your hospitality. You're Actually, a visitor of my hospitality. Presently, you are the mission speaker of, um, of St. Joan of Arc Parish. And I can tell people, you're on our board, right? That's right. I'm on the board. He is on the board of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. That's all you need to know. I was going to say something like, you know, people warn against getting a trophy wife, you know, don't seek it. I think I feel that way for the board. It's like, we got a trophy Dominican. He doesn't do anything. Yeah. He's just there, uh-huh. officially, in writing. With a guarantee of orthodoxy. With a guarantee of orthodoxy, but I just... uh <sighs> Well, here's, here's another thing. Right now, in Rome, Father John has his own special pet Dominican. So I'm yours now. I'm yours. <laughs> no, I'm yours. You're not mine. Dance monkey. <laughs> Isn't that right? Are you, do you know Austin Litke? OP? I know the man, yes. Is it, what province is he? He is in the province of what Boring? feast, what feast oh. is today? Quiz. St. Joseph. St. Joseph, March 19th. Wait, is that the same province? Same province of St. Joseph. Whoa. He's older than me, though. John and Austin, all these guys, you Mm. know, older every step they take, every day they wake up. Question. Yes. Who sings the song Feeling Stronger Every Day? Gosh. I wish I knew. I want to to be... Feeling stronger every day. Folks... Listening at home, that's Chicago. <laughs> They're feeling older every day. We're feeling stronger every day. That's good. You're we also old. we also have to to our to the end of the table. Should we tell them who else is here? Yeah, Father Michael, why don't you introduce yourself? Hello, my name is Father Michael O'Loughlin. I am the one of the housemates of Father Nathan Goble mm-hmm. at uh, Joan of Arc, the parish. He almost forgot to name a second ago. That's right. He almost spaced the name of his own parish. And why don't we yeah. talk just a moment about your fortune cookie? That was at dinner. Oh, man. It wasn't even a fortune. It was a description of you. It was. Th- this is typical Father Michael Brain. I don't even remember what it was. What was it? It was like, you are sincere oh. <laughs> and non-duplicitous yeah. and honest. Is it, was something like that? Yeah. You are a pure, honest, wholesome person. Yeah. Maybe blush. Yeah, it was just no fortune involved. And then yours was like, you will be extremely persuasive this evening as you give a mission to Holy Joan of Arc. So yes. No, that was his, yeah. Yeah, that was but You that will was be his. persuasive and win You'll people. You'll be persuasive, win, win hearts, win souls. And mine was just like, you, 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 need a, you need a little bit of affirmation right now. 
and mine mine was you seek to shield those you love. <laughs> Think about that, Father John. That's actually very Marian. Blessed Mother. I am a mama bear. Don't mess with the cubs. Wow. Listen, I mean, I'm trying to shield your identity. <laughs> You're coming on this show. You got to be vulnerable, and I want to just break people into you. I think he's not a full time person. You don't have to get to know a new dad. You're not walking in here and saying, hey, like the podcast broke up and me and your mom are going to podcast for a while and we'll play baseball later. I'm basically a sub for rap because I happen to be sleeping in this house for the week and he said he needs to get more sleep and he's not coming over tonight. Well, and the other thing was, I mean, you're doing the parish mission, so you talk from 7 to 8, 8 to 15, and then you greet people from like 8.15 to 8.30. I greet people or just... You receive people. Right. There's a line. I stand I, I, outside because I give him his moment. He stands in front of the baptismal font in his glory. And then they just come outside and they just go, oh, Father, A plus, 100%. And I'm like, guy's a loser. Keep walking. <laughs> but no, I mean, um, he's given a great parish mission. Check it out on uh, stjoanarvada.org, um, S-T-J-O-A-N-Arvada.org. Um, I think that's our website, or stjoancatholic.org, something like that. Anywho. Um, but I was just going to say segue. He's just on here for this time. A mothering instinct, because you said what? You shield those you love. That's what it said. Which is maternal. Yes. And we're going to talk about another mother today. This is our topic. Whoa! Transition. Can we take a poll right here? Uh, Father mo- Timothy Danaher, would you like to tell us right now, on the air, in front of people, are you a banter hater? No, I like banter, but... He likes the banter. Did you have more? Well, I mean, like, we're just... We're allowing the people to get to know you. I got you. You're just all of a sudden just walking in saying, hey, folks, I got a topic. And they're like, I don't trust you. I'll give you a quick bio. Ready? Yes. I was born Homo sapiens sapien, genus species. I was raised (laughs) by my mother, Teresa, which is why I'm going to preview. We're going to talk about Mother Teresa, topic, hint, foreshadowing. Yep, it's coming. I played Little League Baseball. I had a fondness for swimming pools when I was growing up. I, I'm an American citizen, I want to say that, but I'm also a Christian. I don't know what else there is to say. <laughs> Would you like me to no, kind of tease it fine. out more? No, American, Catholic, Catholic, American. You're good. They trust you. I'm a visitor. You're on here with me. Olo's watching over I'm under your thing. wing. That's what Jesus, remember the Jesus line from Luke? I would have gathered you, Jerusalem, How I long. as a mother hen shields those she loves. I mean, if if Father John just brings on a random dude, it's fine, because he's the president of the J-10 initiative. (laughs) But I'm the treasurer, and so I flew Father Danaher out here to do my parish mission, because I knew he wasn't crazy, and uh, can I just give a a brief, you know, interlude? If I can also give a little feedback on you. On the interlude? Yeah. Okay. You flew me out here, and I knew you were talkative that you were a Catholic priest, that you had a little bit of money in your pocket. I knew that much. And I said, is that worth a week of my time? I'm going to risk it. But I found out that that Midwest hospitality reigns in your heart. I'm not trying to butter you up. 
Yeah, like but, the biscuits I, I mean, made this morning. You're washing dishes. You're cooking breakfast before everyone else wakes up. You're letting people borrow your car. It's true. Um, you are an hospitable man, and I didn't know that a week ago. We will tell the hospitality story of Mother Teresa later. Here mm. we go. That's who I learned a lot of hospitality from. But uh, so I went out to uh, D.C. This is how I came to know Father Danner. He came to my house once for the board meeting. He swam in my pool. It was like, okay, this guy's pretty cool. I wore, a, the, I wore the cat head. Was it a gator raft? What kind of raft? <laughs> turtle raft. Yeah, turtle raft. Good memory. Now I saw in your garage you also have a raft for the pool, the shape of a bull. Yes. Taurus. Yep. Yep, a riding bull, actually. You can get on top of it and make people, you know, like, buck off. Anywho, um, so I went out to D.C. I went out to D.C. I was at Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish, right? In Vienna, Virginia. Yes. And For nuptials. For nuptials. Samantha Forbes, one of the most pure-hearted, wonderful women I've ever met. Um, I actually don't know your married name, and I can't remember your husband's <laughs> name, but she is married now and off the market. Anywho, so Sam Forbes gets married, and um, I go out there. I've never been to D.C. before. I know no one. And literally, the rehearsal dinner ends at around, like, 7.30. And I'm like, I'm in D.C. Right. Like, I got I to gotta do something. It's a power place. Powerful yeah. people. So I said to Danaher the morning of, I said, dude, it looks like everything's wrapping up by 7.30. He's like, I got to be with the community till like 9, and then we're going out. And I'm like, okay, I, I like to do a little bit of afternoon drinking, maybe some like evening drinking, but not late evening drinking. Right, the nighttime. Right, I haven't done that since college. But I said, okay, you know, that he's, he's, he's my only Uber ride, and he's going to take me where there's good booze. So I said, sure. And we go out, and within minutes, within minutes, we're not only having a great conversation, but we get to this restaurant, and we're already shaking things up. Remember that place? It was with the hostess. The you box did, car. You did kung fu, theology kung fu. Not the hostess. That's making the host. it sound more... The host. It was the host. It right. was a guy. He was like a 20-year-old guy. Right. Born from rich white family, Northern Virginia, that was a host at a brewery. Right. And I think in five minutes, you actually said the phrase, I think you said that if God is eternal love, I don't know how you finished the sentence, hmm. but you went to like, I remember that specifically. You don't remember what he said after that? No, because you yeah. didn't land the plane well, but you definitely shook things up. Yeah. I actually remember his boss, the manager. Yeah, got upset. Got upset that his host was being distracted. Right, because we were having a great conversation. Jesus sent them out two by two. So we left there. We left there, and we end up... This, this story's going to land, folks, and it's going to land in a great place. All right? We land at Vienna Inn. Yes. Vienna Inn. Vienna, Virginia. I had no idea the Vienna Inn um, was home to one of the most world-famous chili dogs. Every time they pour a new keg of beer and they get all that foamy stuff, instead of just pouring it down the drain, which most people would do. Put it back in the pot. They add it to the chili dog mix. Oh, yeah. And they just keep it roasting all the time. And this draws not only, you know, 
young rich kids. I mean, there were we walked oh, in. Yeah. This was late at night. There was like there were softball teams, the baseball, yeah, right? ba- little baseball, literally softball and baseball. Let's be co-ed here. It was co-ed, little co-ed parents, high schoolers, everybody. And this was a bar setting. Only in Vir- Vienna, Virginia, do you have a bar setting where every family says, "Come on, kids, let's go to the bar." Pretty much true. Yeah, the kids are all just lining. They had the big tables or whatever, and we kind of you know shimmy over to this long table and just say, "Okay, you know, he's in his habit." Was I in, was I in clerics? I didn't know where we were going. We didn't, because we got kicked out of boxcar, and it was a family restaurant. There was no room at the boxcar. No. Um, so we went to Vienna Inn. We get these chili dogs. They're amazing, and we just end up sitting next to these three dudes. And we just like go back and forth, like totally tearing these dudes down and building them up at the same time. Because they were all they were all dating a waitress. Yeah, because they're no. all they're all trying to say like you know we're, we got everything figured out. We got our money. We got our cars. We got our waitresses. You know, our waitresses, and we 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 coach lacrosse. Right. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a great life. What what do you do when like you know one of those things starts to you know, devolve or whatever. And they just start opening up, and it was a beautiful encounter. And I, and I just said to myself, I got to get this guy out here for a parish mission. He's an honest dude. I had Clockman on before, as you know, Eight Evil Thoughts, very good podcast, parish mission, you know. It was, it was passable, you know, passable. <laughs> but, uh, no, he did a great job. Clockman did a great job. But I said, I'm going to get this guy out. So he came out. We're having a great time. We said, why don't you come on the podcast? You wanted to talk about Mother Teresa, one of my favorite saints, so here we go. Here we go. And Mother Teresa was made a saint, uh, and somebody was here. Father Michael, can here we you, you got to speak to that, because you were at her canonization, right? I was. That was my uh, first Leah Darrow pilgrimage I did. Oh, my gosh. For, uh, <laughs> you know Leah Darrow? No, I don't. I don't have an invitation. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, so yeah, we went. Uh, we went out to Rome. Actually, uh, Lee and I were going to do this pilgrimage before we even knew that the before the canonization was even scheduled. So it was just absolutely a gift of God. We were going to go to Rome and, and Assisi and just enjoy the the cities with a bunch of our fans. And uh, yes, yeah, so we went out there, and um, it was amazing. The two most beautiful points of the entire experience were. One was that we had to get there really, really early. Of course, there were just tons of people going to the canonization. So as we were waiting for it to get into St. Peter's Square, they have the roads blocked off. So there's just this mass of people, probably half a mile long, going back down one of the streets. And uh, and then all of a sudden, you, people start kind of moving. And I look up, and the, the gates aren't open yet, but there's this kind of shuffling. And I realize everybody in this group trying to wait to get into St. Peter's Square is moving out of the way because this little tiny group of like seven missionaries of charity are walking in, and people were just going to let them get to the front. Wow. And it was, nobody even, they didn't ask, of course, to get there. People were insisting that they got to the front. It was just so beautiful watching people, like their founders getting canonized. People went out of the way. Yeah, and get was, out of the way. Some shoving going on, like there always is there. You know, there was a lot of selfishness in a context like that, unfortunately. But absolutely, they were going to get out of the way for this little just troop of seven missionaries of charity, you know, short, holy, small, wrinkly. And you know that if they didn't get out of the way, those sisters would still push through. Right. Exactly. You know these they would ladies. Have. So there was, there was history there, but it was, just, it was just beautiful to see that. The second thing was that the uh, the canonization portion was, of course, in in English. I'm sorry, in Italian. It wasn't in English, and we had we had books in English, but it was honestly it was so long. I just kind of put the book down. I wasn't trying to follow along anymore, and I was just kind of sitting and listening and just kind of being present. But the moment that 
that uh, Pope Francis said, Saint Teresa of Calcutta. People just started cheering. Wow. And like, I, there was kind of this, this hushed silence when he was about to say it because they knew it was coming and I didn't. But then all of a sudden he just said the words Saint Teresa of Calcutta for the first time and people just like erupted. And it was just, it was incredibly, incredibly powerful. I had spent, I didn't know much about Mother Teresa before going, so I had bought her diary and I'd been reading it and I had not finished by the time I got there. So I just, some of the pilgrims and I, we just sat there reading her diary like as we waited for everything to happen. Yeah. So yeah, two, two extremely beautiful moments. I mean, I, I know that she was already in heaven. It wasn't like she entered heaven at that moment, but it was like the first moment that we could call her hmm. St. Mother Teresa and people just loved it. That reminds me of a little point that's been coming up in marriage prep. Getting couples ready for their vows. We look just look over the right and look over the vows. And it's just dawned on me recently as a new priest. I was just ordained this past May. Um, that in looking at the vows, when you say, you know, hypothetical situation, Steve and what's a girl's name? Molly. Molly. You say, I, Steve, take you, Molly, to be my wife. Mm-hmm. That in your vow, you, you call her that the very first time. And there's something about, I mean, I would just remember that when something new is established. And the same thing, too, with the naming of the saint. is like when you say it in the presence of God and of the church, this stuff becomes real. Yeah. 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 And that, now it's for the entire church to acknowledge the entire church acknowledges husband and wife. The whole church acknowledges yeah. same Mother Teresa. And there, there's this kind of corporate acknowledgement and, and kind of arrest. That was my experience, arresting in that reality. Um, and then you go yeah. crazy and clap and exactly. scream. Yeah, I just have an utter meltdown and freak out, and it was absolutely beautiful. Yeah. The only appropriate response to good things. And then this, I mean, the other, the other story was part of just part of the sacrifice, the sacrifice we were willing to make to make this day beautiful for these women, you know, and to mm. kind of, how, how often do the missionaries of charity, like Mother Teresa was against them being treated like kings and queens, mm. you know, and yet they were like, nope, we're, we're going to do our best to truly treat them well, you know, make this day utterly special for them. And, you know, kind of reluctantly, they, they smiled and nodded and kind of walked through the crowd and. You know, yeah, it was beautiful. I was still in formation when she was canonized, and I remember the community in D.C. down the street on Otis Street, their superior's name was Sister Tanya, which, first off, whenever you get to meet MCs, they have great names, you know. Sister Tanya. That's like, what is it, Red Alert, the old computer game where you're fighting each other? There's Tanya involved. You know, I was like, all right, Sister Tanya. There's a lot of other names, too. Marie Frank. Um yeah, I know, I know a specific missionary of charity in New York. I forget, maybe her name's Sister, I think it's Marie Frank. And what happened is she had professed vows in another name that was like Hindi or something beautiful but Hindi. So when she arrived and was assigned to New York City, another sister was in the car and picked her up from the airport and said, oh, nobody here is going to be able to, to say that. She goes, well, what should I do? She goes, maybe you'll be um, Mary Frank. She goes, okay. <laughs> and it's stuck. It goes. But she was the superior, Sister Tanya, and I was telling her, dude, MCs never watch TV, never even play CDs. I mean, they're like, wow. we need a live priest preaching to us. We're not listening to tapes, nothing. Yeah. And she actually, because she's the superior, it's the canonization, she said, I was up all night. I like got up at 3 a.m., washed my face, got ready, and we sisters, we got a TV we crowded around this thing and we watched live. They broke all the rules just to go, see it. This was in Rome? Oh, no, this was this in This is in D.C. Ah, okay, okay. They had a mass out on their lawn like later yeah. that afternoon, yeah. which I went to. It was beautiful. But. That is awesome. There was a, there's some group of, uh, of nuns 
that my my sister I don't have a mother Teresa I have a mother Marie but I, my uh, my sister Teresa is uh, told me about a, a we did the Akathist hymn to the Mother of God of the Theotokos and his. It's a beautiful Byzantine hymn that has just a bunch of titles for the Mother of God, you know, um, oh, you know, a couple hundred of them throughout the course of the thing. And so uh, she said there's this order, I forget the name of it, that always has the sisters or sister and then a title of the Mother of God. Mm. And then usually it gets, it's a longer title and they just get called the first word of it. So, so my sister said, uh, yeah, one of the titles was, was Terror of Demons. Wow. Wouldn't it be great? Is that the, that's sister the one, the, the sister with the blue veil and gray? Yes, it was. The Virgin, gray. they're from Argentina. Okay. It's like Servadoras, the little servants. Yes, yeah. that's it. Of that's the it. Virgin of Matara, yeah. which is a native name, but then if it's really in Spanish, Matara means he will kill you or she will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> the Virgin of she will kill you. <laughs> it's native, not Spanish. Well, that is great because it was like, can you imagine like Terror of Demons? Didn't you say, didn't you call Joseph last night the Terror of Demons? Anyway, they said that's another another... So Sister Terror, I think that'd be amazing. <laughs> Maybe I'll change my name when I'm being when I've been ordained 15 years to Father Terror of Demons. Here's a cool thing to segue into Mother Teresa's like focus and theme in life, because um, this I think of all the saints that I have been raised with, Francis of Assisi. I mean, if you're going to compare, nobody compares with the Virgin Mary. It's just like who's your favorite saint? That better be your answer. You know, Mary. Thank you. Next. Um, ask the top two. A top two. I've also played the game, who would you want as your college, or like heaven dormitory roommate? That's more interesting. I chose Jerome, not because he's had a big influence on me, because he's studious and quiet, but when he wants to fight, you want to be there <laughs> to see him unleash, right? I would just say the Mother Teresa unexpectedly in my life, when I was assigned to help as a brother, the missionaries of charity in New York, and then following them throughout these years, has had an unexpected influence. And we're going to turn to Father Nathan soon because you, you're a softy for the mission. I saw your bookshelf. You have like nine or ten yeah. books on Mother Teresa. But one of my main things is like when the missionaries of charity have benediction, I notice just how central the theme of loving the poor is because they take vows like everyone else, poverty, chastity, obedience, and an added fourth vow, free and wholehearted service to the poor, the poorest of the poor. And even when los más pobres de los pobres, right? Spanish. Sí. Hey, sí, señor. Latinos. The um, Latino communities. <laughs> but when they pray benediction, blessed be God, the divine praises, yes. blessed be his holy name, they add at the end, blessed be Jesus, Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar, blessed be Jesus in the poorest of the poor. They yeah. even... I want to bring that back. Because the divine praises aren't like they they have been adopted into liturgy, but like they were written by a priest. Right. I'm like, why can't we just add that? I mean, the Pope Little. just added Saint Joseph to the Roman canon. I mean, can't we just yeah. can we do that for the? Because I think it's beautiful. John so, Paul added a whole decade of the rosary. Yeah, John Paul too just added a whole decade. Is that a day of the week? <laughs> so Mother Teresa's deepest lesson is we could just add stuff. Nah. <laughs> I mean... Uh, Wherever you want. I got into an argument with somebody once, hard to believe, um, but I was on their side. They were arguing with somebody else, um, but the guy that we were, we were arguing against was he was saying, St. Faustina will, should be a doctor of the church, because a doctor of the church is one who adds something that hasn't been known prior, you know? Right. Um, but I don't know if St. Margaret Mary Alacoque is a doctor of the church. I don't think so. Do you know? Check the Google machine, boy. But I, just, I think Mother Teresa, 
if Saint Faustina is a is a doctor of the church, definitely Mother Teresa should be. The funny thing though is that Mother Teresa never wrote anything. Either they recorded her speeches. Well, she wrote letters. There she, you go. Yes, she gave talks. Right. But we were talking and it was earlier. Private revelation to her. We were talking earlier, right? That she is the charism she was proposing to the world is for the whole church, for diocesan clergy, Dominican, Franciscan. She's something we can all yeah. receive. You still believe that compared to eight hours ago at lunch this morning? Oh, I think it's yeah, totally. I, I think her her wisdom is so central to the gospel. It's so like conformed to the gospel that I would even take it a step further and I know this is, you know, dangerous. I somebody else said this, so I'm not the only person that believes this. They do not believe that the missionaries of charity will ever be reformed. That they'll have a splinter group. Like there's there's some that, you know, they're different orders. They kind of break off and right. you know say, well, this is what our founder really believed, founders really believed. I don't think the missionaries of charity are going to believe that, going to do that because their charism is so simple. And the the more something is simple, the more it's complex. And that's service to the poor. But not like the, you know, I don't know, the pants-suited whoever. Like it's, no, you got to pray and you got to serve the poor. Poorest of the poor is important. Poorest of the poor, right. And I think, too, like... I don't have a life as a missionary of charity where I'm actually every day meeting real flesh and blood poor people that I'm reaching out to. I mean, you do sometimes, but I was in, I was kind of enthralled by that when I first worked with them. I told some of this tonight at the mission where you go in to help in their houses and they make you preach to a room full of homeless people at the right. soup kitchen. You're like, okay, here we go. Make you sweep, mop, do this and that. And then... They make you run around New York City in bus terminals and train stations with sandwiches, jugs of juice, finding people in corners. Like We actually went down to this tent village along the Hudson River. And it was funny in a way, because some of these guys, you could start to judge them right when you arrive. They actually ran from like skyscrapers. They were running cables and power cords all the way down the block to the river. So they got their tent, because they're homeless, and their flat screen inside huh. <laughs> you can watch a little espn now i might go there and think you're homeless and watching espn like right should i really be here to help you but that's not the point it's not about yep. evaluate these people fix them invite them to get a job it's just go out yep. feed them love them ask their name give their attention as much as that stuff's real and i love to be included in that in their ministry i do think there's a spirituality of the missionaries of charity which mother Teresa, this came to her as kind of a secondary thing, she had formed this group for the context of India, where you had a lot of neglected people. I mean, her, her first real piece of property was a hospice, a home for the dying, which used to be a Hindu temple. She's like, I don't care. They're giving it to me. Yep. I'll just do this. But then when she visited the West, she was struck by these European countries, by America. Like, I remember when she first went to a nursing home, she was That's depressed. It. Yep. And she was like, everyone here... Staring at the door. ...is staring at the door. Why? Because they're waiting for somebody to come in. And see them. And to actually encounter them. And that the deeper poverty is not in the East, it's in the West, and the poverty is loneliness. And so when she was talking about the distressing disguise of the poor, it is that 
ugly homeless person that is actually an angel in disguise, but the West has their distressing disguises also. Oh, I'm good, I'm confident, I'm rich, I'm busy. And she's saying, you're lonely underneath there. There's poverty everywhere. Or as she was asked too, um, people say, we want to come to Calcutta, we want to help you. And the great comeback, find your own Calcutta. There are people right there in front of you. Stay home. In your home, in your community. Yeah. I admire something like in that spirit. I went to Franciscan University of Steubenville as... Father Michael Olafson. Alums. Alums. What's your guys' uh, mascot? The Baron. The Baron. Baron the, von Steuben. The robber Baron. A Hessian <laughs> trainer in Valley Forge of Washington's troops. Really? Yeah. Intriguing? Maybe Catholic, maybe Protestant. I don't know. Why would they name their Catholic school mascot after a Protestant? <laughs> maybe. I don't know if charismatics do a lot of research. They just said. Good point. But what I mean, what I mean to say is that every spring break, Franciscan students who go to Jamaica, Belize, they'll go all over the world on mission. And there were some students who said, "Let's do a mission trip to downtown Steubenville. Spend no money, serve the people right here." I think that's Mother Teresa right there. It's saying, if there are poor people down the street, you need to. Did they like it? They loved it. They were very enthusiastic. Who did they serve with? They just went downtown. Oh, they just did it. Steubenville is a ghetto. Not all of it. All right. I'll give you a quick... We did good. Yeah. Now, do you know this? Not only is Mother Teresa's charism a, uh, an inspiration for the church, there's also four diocesan priests, what's called the Corpus Christi movement. Right. You know that? And you can be, this might freak people out, spiritually adopted by a missionary of Charity Sisters. Basically... Is that how you do it? Yeah. You just contact them? You email them, and they might get back to you within four or five years. I thought you write them. Father Daniel Eusterman has that. Yeah. He's got a little card in his breviary. And there's once a sister professes... Yeah. She can then adopt a priest, a diocesan priest, and right. for the rest of her life intercede. Yeah, I'm down for, him. for that. Like the sister that's going to have that is going to have lesions <laughs> and like just puffy face for no apparent reason. Grow a mullet, Grow a mullet underneath that habit, <laughs> and then she's going to be like, "What did I get myself into?" Yeah, and hopefully we meet each other someday. We need to apply before this podcast comes out, or every priest that listens is going to do it. So. Or if she, or she's going to drag me out of purgatory by my mullet. <laughs> That's the hope. I like that stuff. Try the it out. Christi movement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have that. That's the beautiful thing is it's not just sorry you're not part of the missionaries of charity, so you can't really help us. There's missionary charity sisters, brothers, fathers, coworkers. Right. Sick and suffering co-workers, and then the Corpus Christi movement. So I did some work with the sick and suffering co-workers, um, and uh, it was a great experience. I was able to do it for the time that I was at Cabrini uh, before I just I, – I was normally having Saturday night mass, and that's when they were meeting, and it just was too difficult. So, um, But they, the people there, like, they not only serve the poor, but many of them have, like – illnesses and ailments that through the charism of the missionaries of charity they've learned to unite to jesus 
on the cross and support the work of the sisters, even like in their in their easy chair, recliner, bed when they're just like feeling out of it and sick and they have a purpose for their suffering. It's really beautiful. If you can find this book, it's very difficult uh, to locate, but it's called A Chain of Love, um, and it was written, I think, Spink, maybe? S-P-I-N-K? Uh, Catherine or Kathleen Spink? Um, but it's out of print now, um, so you can... The Chain of Love. Chain of Love, and it's about the missionaries of charity. Like co-workers. the song, The Chain, you know that? Name the band. And if you don't love me now, but you'll never love me again, it does still sing, sing. Never break, never break the chain. I'm friends with Father Joseph Lejoie, who has multiple tattoos of Fleetwood Mac. Is that right? Nice try. No. Yes. Just one. Still. Let's move on. Anywho, can we tell our, well, I have two missionaries of charity stories. Can we tell our own personal one, working with them? Please. Yes. Ah, dang it. Um, Father Michael wants to go to, what's the Montessori method? You put your hand on his shoulder. Yeah. If you want to talk next, you hand on the shoulder. Do I have to touch his hand? As a silent reminder. And then I acknowledge you. I'm next. (laughs) Okay, I just did it. I touched his hand. He has soft hands. Um, The... uh, so, okay, let's see here. Well, I, I'm going to tell uh, two stories, but one of them is related to something you said earlier. So uh, you said, you know, these flat screen TV poor people. So uh, we were making bacon uh, and eggs for all these uh, uh, guys for the breakfast. And um, uh, this, the, two things happened at this breakfast. We kept making bacon and they kept eating it. And then the sisters just said, keep making the bacon <laughs> because they're eating it. And it's good that they're eating it. So we made like four rounds of bacon. There was only like eight guys. I mean, four <laughs> four packages of, of bacon. They just blew right through it. We just kept making it. Kept And these are like Costco packages, you know? And then eventually, like we get to the last one, and this guy, David, who had just a hollow leg, he just says, um, is there any more bacon? And we go to the sisters, and they say, you know, make one more round. And we had that bacon grease pretty hot. And we had we were serving them that we went back there and the bacon got a little crispy, you know. And uh, we're going out there serving, giving it to all the guys or whatever. And the guy that I was sent with, Chad, we got to serve with the missionaries charity for a month. And uh, he's holding the bacon pan. And uh, the one guy, David, who had eaten probably at this point thirty pieces of bacon, he goes, um, uh, "Bacon's a little too crispy this time." And Chad looks at him and he says, what do you think this is, a Holiday Inn? <laughs> I thought it was a perfect response to somebody that was like seemingly ungrateful. And I go back there and I say to the sister, I said, sister, what is the freaking deal? When I was in, when I was in India and I worked with the poor in, at the mother house, they got a banana, one of those mini bananas, and a cup, oh, yeah. of, a cup of chai... And that's all they got. And they were so thankful. And they ate that, and they didn't say anything. We just gave this guy 40 pieces of bacon and burned the last piece, and he's annoyed about it. And she said, never compare the poor in different countries. Hmm. Because the poor are the poor of that country, and you have to serve them because they are the poorest of the poor here. And I was so moved by that because, yeah, there are poor people with cable TVs. 
there are poor people with, you know, whatever, but you can tell that they're poor and you can tell that they're forgotten and lonely and hungry and needy. And that's a sure sign that you're closer to Christ than, you know, saying, oh yeah, in other countries there's poorer people. What's their problem? It's like, no, they're the poor here. Right. You had some too, Father Michael. And I think I've already shared this, but um, it, it feels uh, applicable. I was uh, in Rome, and uh, we, had, we had kind of, Rap was out there, Father Mike Rap was out there, and, and he was going to uh, get us in to see this missionaries of charity because he, know, he knows them well. So we, uh, we went one day to the, the, the missionaries there right there in the Vatican, and uh, we showed up, and we, were, we had actually brought people with us. So we had brought a homeless person. This is a shout-out to Tony Angelosi. Uh, we brought a homeless person from America to Rome, and one of the things we wanted to do was to give them experience of serving the homeless in Rome, so they could kind of go from being served to be serving. And so we walked in, kind of getting excited about this situation, and, and excited about you know kind of being stretched about um, you know not wanting to do it but doing it anyway. Um, and we get back there, and, and and we were not expected. Someone hadn't notified them, and then um, we were hoping that had been the case. We walk in there, and, and the sisters, they kind of look at us, and there's four of us there. And uh, and she just says, oh, yeah. And she said, can, you know, can we help? We'll do anything you want. She goes, yes, yes. Oh, yes, thank you. Um, just go into the chapel and pray. And we're, like, looking at each other. like, And she just she starts walking as so we follow her. We went in the chapel, and she said, here's the chapel. Thank you. And but just, that's, that's a classic move. Once you get to know them, and they don't know what to do it? with you, yeah. put them in the chapel. Yeah. And it was like, it, it was it's like hockey. They put you in the box when you have a penalty. <laughs> if you show up unexpected, you go in the box. But it was pretty obvious. Like they, they said, this is as important as serving people. Hmm. And it was, it, was that, it was that easy on their mind. Like you, you, if, we, if, you have something for you, if we have something for you to do, we'll have you do it. If not, we'll put you in the chapel. And so we just kind of sat in there until somebody came and got us later on. We ended up doing a little bit after that. Because they needed it, but it was it was this kind of this beautiful realization I'd not expected of saying they're very aware that the prayer that we do is as helpful to those people that they love so much yeah. as is the hands on work. I've also seen some. I think there's this whole balance between prayer and service, which they do so well, but also it's totally off the cuff. I mean, MC they have a charism of randomness. I mean, it's amazing. I remember going to their vows in D.C. and after the vow mass on December eighth. We go back to their house. They do this dance in the driveway where they're like passing candles and singing in harmonies to Mary. It's amazing. Then the party begins. And at the party, imagine you threw a party at your house. All at once, they have like a holy hour in the chapel for sisters only, but those doors are wide open to then a big party with like rich white donors and their like AIDS patients all like sharing a table, like a feast. So like feasting and mixing and having a holy hour at the same time. That's the MC life. And normally they're the ones serving. They are. They yeah. will not sit down and eat or... They also are old school. They won't let you see them eat. Right. Like we went to like a kid's camp for the day and like they had to sneak behind a shed to like... Yep. But they're also picky. Those little bananas you mentioned, the little guys, like oh, yeah. the nub fingers. I once went grocery shopping uh-huh. in the West Village with some MCs. They got a little tiny bit of cash to buy some stuff. So they like in the morning have a little oil and bread and a little banana. They only had big bananas in this tiny Manhattan grocery store, and these sisters wouldn't let up. They're like, do, do you have the manager? We need to talk to the manager. Does he have the little bananas? The bananas like your hand, like your finger. Yep. It was like, wouldn't let up. Really? They wanted those little baby That's bananas. That's what I need to get them. That's how I get in with That's them. That's a gift. Oh, yeah. The other, the other way to get in good with the missionaries of charity, you want a little secret? Please. You're going anywhere in the world. <laughs> anywhere. 
Detroit, Kansas City, um, Djibouti, uh, <laughs> like uh, Italy. Go to your local missionary or charity, like if you have one. Find out where there's a local missionary or charity, or just find out if there's one in proximity to where you're going. Make sure that you save enough room, or better yet, just make sure to check a bag for them. Because they will go into a flurry, and they will pack a box, and they will pack it perfectly, 50 pounds, and they will make it where it has like the rope tie, where you just, you know, like pick it up, and it just all picks up together. And they will send it to some other part of the world and will be so happy that they were able to send a little, like, love bomb from where they were to that. So I'm, oh, I have no idea. I, I carried, I think I carried women's dresses um, to the sisters in Rome. So there were, uh, I was going to Rome. Yeah, from the sisters. I said, I'm going to Rome, sisters. Oh, brother, please, would you take some stuff for us? We haven't, just a few, a few items, please. Okay, so they pack a full box. Like imagine a banana box, and then they wrap the string around it. Fifty pounds. Oh yeah, boom. it's like you're in the 1940s. Yeah, just packing these boxes. All right. I actually, speaking of airport thing, two quick things, and I'll finish. Brief stories that I was at the airport once. This is actually a big moment in my life. I was visiting my family in Arizona over Christmas break, midway through seminary formation. Kind of a tough family visit. Just random, moody, angry, whatever. I have to get dropped off at the airport at like 6.30 a.m., me and my brother both. So I'm sitting there praying morning prayer because I have to, feeling bad about life, feeling distracted, tempted, all sorts of things. And across in the crowd walk two missionaries of charity in the airport. And it was just like this... Sky Harbor. Sky Harbor. And I was sent to Sky Harbor that day. I was like, I'm, I'm better, I'm feeling light, I'm feeling good. And then I saw them at the gate... And um, they were lost. Like they were, it was Southwest, so they call A, B, and C. And they were lost. They didn't know which group. So I walk up to them. I say, sister, hi. I'm a Dominican friar. I'm a brother. And I said, what group are you in? I was like, are you in group A, B, or C? And she goes, I am in group S, Sister Susan. I said, hold on. Wait, you know, you saw well, Sister Susan? Do you know Sister Susan? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. a small world after all. Yeah. I said, you're in group B. Your ticket says this. Then check this out. She goes to group B. I'm kind of like just interacting with their joy. I'm mm-hmm. feeling better. I was reading throughout that book, throughout that vacation, a book by Sushaku Endo, Japanese Catholic author, author of Silence, Silence, about Japanese martyrs. He wrote another one called Deep River. Mm-hmm. And Deep River is about Japanese tourists going to the Ganges River for Hindu services, whatever. And I see those two sisters leave. Um, I then get on the plane. I'm on the last 10 pages of my novel. And in the very last page of that book, they're waiting at the airport, these tourists, to go back home after having a rough trip. And two missionaries of charity walk into the last page of the book. And basically, they're helping this poor person. And the main character runs up to them and says, like, why are you doing this? And their basic response, they have these blue eyes and they kind of stare at him. And they basically say, because except for this, we would believe in nothing in life. Like, Mm. except for real charity, real love, we have nothing else to believe in. I actually threw the book against the airplane window and just said, Jesus, what are you doing? Just, I mean, they were walked into my life, then into my book an hour later. Yeah. Last two things quickly. Small fact about Rome, which I just learned. St. Gregory the Great, his family home, 
which then turned into Gregorio Magno, the big church, is actually now the home of the Missionaries of Charity. They took over Beautiful. Greg the Great, who had a great love of the poor. Well, my last story is this, too, and I think this is a reminder for all of us. You guys are companions. I'm in the Dominicans. I know a priest who for many years kind of directed and talked with sisters around the world and this and that. And he said he heard this interesting complaint. As much as they have real joy, love for the poor, a spirit of prayer, he had um, heard a similar complaint against them. These sisters, I mean, this is different culturally. He said sometimes, he goes, because they can't take walks by themselves, they do everything in community. He said sometimes they they have joy in serving, joy in their work. But he says sometimes at night... Um, they'll, one of them will walk outside. This is a bit eerie. He goes, sometimes they'll scream at the stars. I was like, ooh, what does that mean? And it's because of community life. Because they love their work, they love Jesus, they love the church, but sometimes to live in the house with these people, that's the hardest thing for them. We may not scream at the night sky because we could just go take walks or go watch a movie. Um... But it's a reminder, too, that their charism is beautiful for all of us, but their struggles, too, are right. like all of us. It's hard to love your neighbor. And right. it's, I don't say that's good to hear how I love that they're so upset with each other. I mean, but it's good to at least hear that there's nowhere you can go in the church or in human life where you escape the cross that is your brother and sister, the same ones you love. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Yeah. Well, I promised to tell that story about hospitality, about Oh, uh, yeah. Um, th- I guess one of the things... I mean, I could do a whole nother podcast on Teresa of Calcutta. Or I mean, two the, or three. The way that John loves Balthazar, I'm like the same way with Teresa of Calcutta. Because the more I read her, the more I discover about myself and the ways in which I so much desire to give myself in the same way, but I'm terrified to. And she gives me permission to be terrified and also to just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It's always a little bit more. Anytime I'm with the missionaries of charity, it's never... Condemnation, but it's always just you can give a little bit more. Don't be afraid. Um, so uh, a journalist was meeting with uh, Mother Teresa. He had prepared for this meeting for weeks. He was hoping to get just five minutes of her time, and he asked in Calcutta if he could see her. And they said the only time that you can see her is this at this moment. She she takes a small break at this moment, and she's willing to meet with you for this time. And uh, he said, absolutely, whatever, you know, just happy to meet with her. So he gets led into the side room. I've seen exactly where the side room is in the Missionary to Charity house in Calcutta. It's right next to the bathroom that Mother Teresa used to clean. Uh, they point to that toilet and say that toilet used to be the cleanest toilet in the world because uh, Mother Teresa would wash it every single day or however long. Um, but uh, he's in this room waiting for Mother Teresa. He's, he's so excited. He's got all his questions mapped out. She comes in the room. He's like kind of hyperventilating, but he has to be professional. He's trying to get it through his questions, scribble down her answers and everything. And as he's doing this, um, she's peeling an orange. And, uh, and, and he is just thinking to himself how hungry he is. And as soon as he gets done with this meeting, he's going to like go and eat lunch. And, but he's got to focus on getting these answers from Mother Teresa. And she's just taking the time to get all of the pith off the off of the orange. And then she peels it into the kind of the star pattern where you just, you know, you break open the entire orange and separate every single piece. And at the at, when he's looking at this orange, he's thinking to himself, that is looks like one of the most delicious oranges I've ever seen in my entire life. And he but he's like, I gotta focus, I gotta focus. 
And then at the moment where uh, he's waiting for the next answer, she slides the orange over to him because it was never for her. And what he said, which has always stuck with me, was that hospitality, what she taught me was that hospitality was anticipating my need before I ever even had the opportunity to voice it. Wow. And I just, I am just so moved by that because I'm always thinking about how can I satisfy my need? How is this person in front of me satisfying my need? Do you have a house? Do you like fishing? Like, do you have an interesting story? Mm. Like, are you leaving soon? You know, can I do something for you? Can you get out of my way? Like, and Mother Teresa's just like, how can I find a way to give you exactly what you need without you even understanding what you need at that time? And he said he was the most amazing orange. Someday, Mother Teresa's. I'll give you one more for for a minute about the missionaries of charity recognizing somebody's needs because it's not always nice stuff. One of the I had taken high school Spanish for four years and let it drop because you're growing up in Steubenville, Ohio. The most you could do is go to one restaurant and order off the menu, and it's already translated. I was in a soup kitchen and saw a sister from Kenya basically talk to a guy. I knew enough Spanish to understand it was raining. She basically asked him in Spanish. This is sister Georgine Ann from Kenya. She now lives in Philly. I see her sometimes. Mm. I help out there. She basically said to him in Spanish, it's not always nice charity. It's also calling people on. Mm-hmm. She goes, how are you? You're in Spanish. You know, como sigue? He's like, he's like uh, kind of bad. She's like, why is it bad? He's like, because of the weather outside. It's rainy. She goes, no. It's bad because you still haven't found a job yet. I was like, man, sister. <laughs> But it called yeah. me to test. Hey, she's right. she who is uneducated, and I who was in like grad school. She learned enough Spanish to at least talk to these people, and it encouraged me to say, "I have no excuse. Like I got at least my first motivating spark right. to take on another language." But simply to once again reach out to somebody, find their need, whether they like it or not, and to say, "I see something in you, and I'm either going to provide for you or challenge you." These sisters are smarter than they're not just like oh, yeah. charity robots. Yeah, one of the sisters that I did my immersion with in Phoenix, so I was at Gift of Mary Shelter in, uh, in Phoenix, um, uh, after encountering that guy that said, you know, what do you think this is, a Holiday Inn, he was really converted by them, and yeah. he, he had this profound moment with this sister, Sister Clarita. I have no idea where Sister Clarita is in the world. Uh, but I am assured that she will be a saint, or is already. Um, and uh, he just walked away from her, and he goes, Still waters run deep. Wow. I'm like, that's the, that's the mission of charity. And it's just these normal old dudes. The guy in New York, his name is Gene. He, he ran a number of bars. He was just a bar owner. Then like got to know these sisters, sold the bars. He's like their full-time chauffeur, cook, wow. errand runner. Just whoever, whatever guy's around, he sees these ladies. He's like, they're holy. I'm going to follow them. I'll do whatever you say. You know. Yeah. There's like 50 more stories. Oh, that, but that's all, that's all we have, you know, yeah. of, of Teresa. You're right. She didn't write, she didn't write a whole lot. She didn't, um, you know, there are some talks of hers that are recorded. Yeah. I would certainly encourage, if you haven't watched that biography uh, um, by Malcolm Muggeridge, uh, Something Beautiful for God, we watched that before we went on our mission trip to Calcutta. Yeah. And um, I was already in love with Mother Teresa. And I just kind of, I would say I had a crush on her. And then we went to, we watched that movie, and it was like sobering me up. It was like, this is the reality of what you're entering into. And then I was terrified. I was like, they are going to figure out that I'm a total fraud. And I, I cannot thank 
the missionaries of charity enough for just like giving me the encouragement that I needed to, to just grow in my own security around the poor because I think the poor uh, they're vulnerable but they actually excite our own vulnerability. Yeah. Like I actually acknowledge my own poverty in their in the face of them. And so. to, to deepen our love and thirst, they have in their chapel, you know, next to every crucifix, I thirst. Mm-hmm. I mean, to learn their spirituality is to go. I mean, there's all different books of sayings of Mother Teresa. Um, <laughs> wait for it. The double dose. That is not one of them. But if you get any book, I mean, I've just I've found help in in peace and patience and charity just by letting her saying she like took the Indian tradition of aphorisms, short phrase, and just put the gospel into that format and just let those things wash over you. I would sometimes in holy hour have a book of her aphorisms, and I would stick with like one per week, yep. just one saying per week, and just let it wash and change your heart. Yeah. We can't even go into those. There's too many of them. Yeah. Uh, there's books out there. Well, I mean, it's odd because you weren't here down here last night, but last night I read to uh, Olo and and uh, and wrapped the in in my Bible. There's a there's a bookmark that was from that Sister Clarita, hmm. and it just said, um, "Oh gosh, I can't even remember it now." In in the in the silence of my heart, I hear his words of comfort, and from the fullness of my heart, I. I comfort him in the distressing disguise of the poor. Hmm. First you receive, then you give. And, I mean, they will not let you go out there and just serve if you're not also praying. Yeah. You know? So, anywho, um, some other time. We'll get together, do another Teresa of Calcutta binge. Um, for now, we got our shout-outs. You got any shout-outs? You want to say hello to anybody? I'll give... Father uh, Austin Litke of the uh, St. Joseph Province. Shout-out to you, Father. I'll also give a uh, a brief thing too. So you know, the summertime is coming sooner. You know, we're in Lent. It'll soon be spring. It'll soon be summer. Uh, outside of Philadelphia in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, live uh, three AMDG guys, the Am Diggers, Dane Connolly, and Colin and Andy. They hold a thing called Wine Wednesday. They're not faithful listeners. They listen some. A, they're probably more into that, like uh, hatching boxes. They're lazy in listening and in all things of life. Retching boxes. <laughs> Shout out to Wine Wednesday when it begins soon. It pulls the name. It's just basically just everybody brings wine and you sit on the porch all evening. Simple community. It's great. Yeah. No plan. No food, too. Just wine. Just booze. It's like the Romans. Let's be Roman Catholic and just drink wine. Not not like all those other country stations (laughs) with their rules. Our radio station, it's no rules, just country. That's a total Larkin phrase, Father Brian Larkin. It's my favorite joke he tells. Um, Who do you I want to give a shout-out. I want to give a shout-out to, um, yeah, my sick and suffering co-worker people mm. uh, that I worked with in Denver. I don't think any of them listen. They are, they're much more in tune with, like, Jesus and adoration and whatever else. But um, all the people who are suffering silently... And uh, we have no idea what they do with that suffering, but I believe it's a valuable currency. And for the ways in which you just offer that up to Jesus uh, and for him to use it however he wishes, um, I'm really inspired by that. So that's cool. You got any Olo? Um, I didn't, but uh, yours, Goble, inspired me. Um, uh, just someone who I, as I was growing up, I saw suffer immensely with my pastor, Father Chris Zuger, at, uh, at the parish in Albuquerque, the Byzantine Parish. 
uh, just uh, I don't even know. He's told me what he's diagnosed with, but it's just it's so horrible. There's like spaces in his in his um, between his uh, the you know, bones in his spine, and the, the, the nerves are just constantly uh, attacking and, and you know causing him pain. He's got braces on his feet, hands, back, mouth. I mean everything. And, and, and uh, I was able to I was blessed to be able to take care of him. Like the day I turned 18, and I was an adult, and then traveled to New York to to uh, Ukraine. Uh, with him a couple times and, and try to care for him that way, and it was uh, it was really beautiful because he he wasn't he was humble enough to kind of let let the pain show, but also to to in the moment when he was in excruciating pain, uh, very vocally um, express what he was offering it up for. So like you could tell like what he was reading, what was on his mind. All the, the Chinese martyrs that were suffering in China were were uh, were on his mind all the time. But it was it was someone who uh, who. It really wasn't in his disposition, I think, or even in, in the 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 the, um, the way that the disease manifested himself. It wasn't really something he could hide. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, you, you could be you could be very embarrassed and shamed by I think the reactions that come with the pain. Um, but he wasn't. It was it was really beautiful because he he kind of let it let it especially for those that were close to them, let it show. And, and it was a, I saw it as a, an immense act of humility. Um, that he would do that and that he would kind of witness to um, living a life of pain. You know, I mean, he probably would have been given anything to be able to walk down to a missionary's a charity house and help out people, but he just wasn't able to physically, you know, and he, he was doing his own, uh, in the sense, being the poorest of the poor, but also helping the poorest of the poor through his prayers and through it, even the witness to us of uh, someone suffering eloquently and suffering well. Nice. All right. All right, folks, check her out. The great saint. Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa. A mother to all. Father Tim, we're going to miss you, man. He, we're, he's heading back to Philadelphia uh, on the day this podcast, oh, week after this podcast comes out. Um, so uh, until then, uh, we will, uh, yeah, bid you adieu. Until then, stay in the church. That's right. Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, please email in. We love answering all your emails. Uh, I just really appreciate all of you that just have a comment or a concern or a question. And just uh, just let us know, you know, if you have anything. you have a thought, you have a restaurant recommendation, just let us know. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Stitcher, and Walmart.com. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> See ya.